Let's be honest. How many times have you chalked up a relationship ending to bad timing? For hosts Nancy and PJ Heslin, the answer is a lot. It took living separately in Canada, the U.S., and France, two divorces, and 20 years for timing to work out. And when it finally did in the south of France, the couple discovered they had two different versions of their love story. We all do, right? But what if your side is not the whole story, and you have the journals to prove it? Keep listening to Nancy and PJ Finally Get Together, a podcast on love, relationships, and two lives in between. This episode is sponsored by relationship coach Jordan Gray. Jordan's work has positively impacted over 200 million people worldwide, and he has helped more people get married than he can count. You can go to his website, jordangrayconsulting.com, sign up for his incredibly insightful and value-dense emails, and also when you sign up, get a free book of 50 powerful date ideas in the process. Nancy and I love Jordan's work so much that we think you will too. That's jordangrayconsulting.com and get your free book today. Welcome to Nancy and PJ Finally Get Together. I am Nancy Heslin. Namaste. I'm PJ Heslin, and we're going to start the yoga corner in That's... by breathing in the good air. Now breathe out the bad air. What are you doing? I'm doing yoga corner. <laughs> I thought we could have a yoga corner. You know how much I love yoga? I, I, I don't know if it's just I'm a little slow this morning, PJ. As you know, I woke up at 1.30 to attend an online wedding, and uh, maybe the humor of that is just building within me, and I will be laughing later in the day because neither of us have ever done yoga, but <laughs> that's okay. I think I would respond better to yoga if they were taught by, like, my high school football coaches, you know? Like when it's like, uh, Heslin, call that a downward dog. Breathe in through your mouth, Heslin. Breathe. Breathe. PJ, let's just take it down a notch. I'm, I'm slowly waking <laughs> I've up. I've got way too much energy and you have so little. How many hours have you slept? Like, it's like, I didn't even wake up when you woke up. I don't and know. It, what, it's like four hours, I think. It's just one slept. of those things when you get up in the middle of the night. It was so sweet. I'm so mm. happy that I watched the wedding. I'm, um, my niece got married in Australia. Congratulations to the newlyweds. It's just, it was really just so lovely. They got married in a ski resort, even though it's summer there. And, you know, they've known each other for eight years. They've lived in Canada and Japan and Australia. And, you know, she's 29 years old. They're the age that we are during the story now in 1995. And even during the ceremony, the fiance said, the sky could fall in and I knew we would be okay. And I was like, how are they so together at that age like why couldn't we be that together at that age and like when i think about it like sid and nancy were more together than we were at that age let's let's build to what's wrong with us as we get on the episode pj it's just so funny like when i think back it doesn't seem like we were that crazy but looking at it factually we were just a mess yeah, let, let me wake up so we can talk about that mess. But before right. we do, I just had a couple of announcements. First of all, this is huge for us, but we are now episode 24, and this episode is What Are You Most Thankful For? And clearly, as we have reached 24,000 downloads, <laughs> we are incredibly thankful for people listening. Yes, I, it's so grateful that people are listening to this. Obviously, it's more than just our friends, because we don't know 24,000 people that would download it. And considering the fact that the podcast field now is littered with people that are famous and doing podcasts, I'm very proud of us and also very, very grateful that people are listening and keep listening. So that's awesome. Yeah, I still find it a little unsettling because 
I am somebody that's very private and I'm talking about things all the time that, you know, people will reference to later in a conversation. And I'm like, oh yeah, because I keep thinking we're characters, not this is my life, but I'm in it now and I can't back out. So, But um, that's what I like about a podcast is that it's just our voices. It's not like, you know, we're visually out there or anything like that. I, I like that sort of semi-anonymity of just having my voice out there. Because I feel the same way. I'm I'm not one that... Give me a break. You love all the limelight. You get up every morning and go, I'm in a podcast. Look at me. Yeah, that's exactly... I love listening to my voice. I record it just for myself. Yeah. But the other thing I wanted to mention was somebody asked me during the quiz you in the last episode about how many bottles of maple syrup did you go through while I was away for two weeks? And I answered five. My friend said, do you really believe PJ could go through five bottles of maple syrup? And just to explain why I said five was because I knew it couldn't be one. You know, you gave me a few um, suggestions, but PJ drinks Canadian lattes, which are really creamy lattes with maple syrup whipped into the cream. And also I had left a ton of pancakes. So the bottles are really small. And I just kind of figured, yeah, he would go through all that. But when I actually looked at it after my friend asked me that the bottles are 250 milliliters, which meant you would go through two and a half cups of maple syrup in two weeks. So even for you, that was a bit far-fetched. So, But I but, wanted to say why I thought that, because, you know, you do drink your Canadian coffees. And also, anybody who knows me knows that five bottles of uh, maple Anything. syrup, <laughs> five bottles of maple syrup <laughs> are, uh, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. And I remember one, one time when we were kids, my mom bought this huge bottle of maple syrup. Oh, and it was probably pure maple syrup. Oh, yeah. Not it was like, like the a, stuff we're buying here. You know, maybe it's, I'm thinking because I was a kid, it was much bigger, but it seems to me like it was a liter bottle of maple syrup. <laughs> In the morning, my brothers and I were drinking from it, like just passing it around like it was a jug of booze. And my mom woke up and saw us like passing the syrup bottle around. It was like, you boys are animals, animals. (laughs) Let's not not bring your mom over here and see how we are with our Nutella and things like that. Oh, the animals. But listen, PJ, we have to have a serious talk. Podfashion. Now, I don't have a pod fashion, but I think clearly you must have something you want to share with me because for the last two weeks since I've been back, which this wasn't happening before I left, but I keep hearing you, you're watching something online with the same woman and it's not Saturday Night Live that you're giggling. So do you want to tell me what's going on? All right. It's completely innocent. Nothing to worry about. Let me explain why I'm listening to this woman. Oh, yeah. Please do. <laughs> That's why I'm asking. I'm, I am... Kind of obsessed with this woman, Nicole Conan. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Nicole Conan, C-O-E-N-E-N is, is her last she, name. Is she Bigfoot? If you'd found Bigfoot? <laughs> Bigfoot is, is actually a woman in the I'm, 2023 I'm almost world. as obsessed with her as I am with Bigfoot. There's she? something... She's a she's a Canadian uh, woman, so number one, that's uh, that sort of warmed my you're heart. Not, you're not warming me up here, Pidge. She lives in uh, B.C., and but who is she? Her, it's going to sound so weird. Her videos are, are her just splitting wood, like with an axe. She's just like <laughs> chopping wood. And Sorry. I am absolutely obsessed. I don't know why. I think there, I've, I've been trying to analyze it. Number one, wait as a second, you said, wait a second. You're opting to spend time with somebody chopping wood. That's all you're saying. So I have no worries here. It sounds as crazy to me as it does to you. If somebody were oh, I like, don't know about that. When the internet was formed 20 years ago, said to me, hey, you know what, PJ? You, you know what you're going to find fascinating and you will watch all the time? 
uh, this lady just chopping wood. <laughs> I'd be like, what are you, crazy? No. But no, there is something, I don't know, wholesome or just cheery. It warms my heart to see her. But also, there's something so satisfying about just watching an axe go through wood. I don't know what it is. I just love it. Because it's like a clear cut? Yeah, it's like, whoppa! And it's like, yeah, job done. But I, yeah, I- What, I what is the purpose of her- Videos though, like she's as, trying to teach people to as chop wood. As far as I can see, she's just showing you. Hey, you're I have chopping wood. There, there is one video I saw where she she gives you the proper technique on how to chop wood, and I've learned some other stuff about her. Apparently, she has a nonprofit to try to help with uh, clean water in Canada. Oh, I like that. So yeah, there's altruism to her. So this this chopping wood technique is this because you're preparing for the zombie apocalypse <laughs> with your best friend down the road just As, in case you nope, need to protect me. Nothing. It's all on its own little really? subgenre of wow, that's really cool just watching chopping wood. I find it's how can I find it relaxing? It's just, but I do. It's just a, a lady chopping wood, and I just find it so relaxing let, let me, and entertaining. Let me ask you something. You've lived in Canada, well, you lived in Canada for like almost 30 years. Yeah. You've lived in the U.S. and France each for more than a decade. Yep. Do you still feel mostly Canadian then? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I do not. I, I know. We both have weird differences about Canada. You know that I get homesick for Toronto if I haven't been back in about a year. But I, to my core, I believe that I'm Canadian. I love living in France. I'm proud that I'm a citizen here. I absolutely love this country. I think the culture here, without sounding like a snob or a weirdo or kind of a whatever, the culture here in France is one that is perfectly adapted for me. Like, I just feel so comfortable here. Even though I'll never be considered a French person by a French person, and I don't, I will never consider myself, oh, I'm French, ooh la la. But I'm so comfortable here. In my heart of hearts, I'm a Canadian, and I love Canada. I think it is an incredible country. It's wonderful. I'm Canadian. So obviously the culture shock moving here is, whether you fit in or not as a mm-hmm. North American, is is obvious. I mean, you have the language, right? Yep. And the mannerisms of people. I mean, there's just a different way of living life here. But when you moved originally from Canada to the U.S. first, did you find it, any culture shocks moving to the U.S. and living in the U.S.? Like, I've never lived in the U.S. Oh, Absolutely. I just overheard you talking about your very first Thanksgiving living in the U.S. was at Lauren Michaels' house, which shocked me. How the heck did you end up at Lauren Michaels? And because American Thanksgiving is this week, what's the deal with American Thanksgiving? Nancy, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's start with the first thing. Okay, and let me just say, by the way, can you keep this brief? Because you have a tendency to go way off. (laughs) Are you hurting my feelings? PJ, right, breathe. So. Remember yoga? Breathe. Okay. Mm, in with the good air. Okay. Um, yes, Thanksgiving is huge in the States. And even though we're Canadians and we live beside them, you have no idea how huge it is until you live there. And it's not so much like other holidays of getting stuff or buying stuff, like your birthday or Christmas. It truly is a family-centered holiday. It's really, really important for... Americans to be together on that day. So it's more bigger so than, than Christmas? Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Christmas, of course, is a big thing, but it's it's my experience when I was living in the States. It's more important for Americans to be with their family at Thanksgiving than it is at Christmas. And as when you live down there and you're on your own and, and Americans are like, oh, you're going to be alone for Thanksgiving. You got to join us. You can't be alone for Thanksgiving. Join us. And in your head, you're kind of like, it's just a Thursday in November. I'll, I'll be okay. Yeah, because you have no 
you know, memories or attachment to it or. So it really is like you see in like blockbuster movies. Oh, yeah. and lo- So how did you end up at Lauren Michaels house? I mean, well, I find that amazing. I'm, I'm charming. Tell I'm people charming. who Lauren Michaels is. All right. So the, those of you who don't know, if you're not involved in show business or comedy, Lauren Michaels is the producer, the founder, the creator of Saturday Night Live and also the producer of many, 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 many movies that you might love or hate. Regardless, he is a, uh, a titan in the world of comedy. And yeah, so the, how I ended up there was my manager, she had a connection with his production company. So, and, and a lot of her clients also worked for Lauren Michaels' production company, Broadway Video. So they knew each other. They had a relationship, a professional <laughs> relationship. They had a professional relationship. And she was invited to the, uh, he had a little Thanksgiving get-together, and she invited me. And we went to Thanksgiving at Lauren Michaels' apartment, which was quite lovely. Come on, wait a second here. But this is your first Thanksgiving is, in yeah. in New York, in the U.S., in the 12 years you were there. Yeah. Were you not kind of like... Oh my gosh, I'm at Lauren Michaels' house. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I was. Admit you were a little starstruck. Oh, you? I was. I was intimidated going because I just thought, you know, I just don't, it just didn't want to make myself look like an idiot or anything like that. So I was very quiet when I went. But um, yeah, I was, and I same thing. Like you're thinking, this is Lauren Michaels. This is a guy who knows Paul Simon and George Harrison. Like, what if they're at the party? So, but <laughs> there was one person there. <laughs> Who was there? There were two people there, and it turned out to be very interesting. Do you want to hear that story? I mean, I think there's a bunch of interesting people that have to be there, but please don't tell me this has any Arnold impersonations involved. Uh, Those of you who might know comedy, there was a very famous Canadian comedian who just passed away recently, and his name was Norm MacDonald. He was on Saturday Night Live, and he was on Saturday Night Live at the time. Now, Norm stole a joke from a very, very good Canadian comic named Eric Tunney, and Eric has also since passed away. Eric was one of the guys that, when you were mentioned as one of the comics of your generation, wasn't Eric was also included yes. in that list, right? Yeah. Okay. Eric, when I was doing uh, stand-up comedy in Toronto, Eric was the guy that we all looked up to. Like okay. Eric was truly just this, you know, incredible comic that you were just like, man, he is good. And both of these guys have died. Both yes, okay. they both passed away. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, the first time Norm Macdonald was on David Letterman, Eric and I were watching at Eric's place. And Norm opened up with one of Eric's jokes. <laughs> but is that normal for comedians? Oh, no, that's a cardinal rule that you do not really? do. Oh, really? that is okay. a big sin. Yeah, that that leads to big arguments. So uh, from the time that you guys saw him on TV to Lauren Michaels Thanksgiving, that was the first time you were all in the room yes. together? Yeah, yeah. Ah. So th- I think that it had been about a year had passed. <laughs> and so Eric and I went to the, this Lauren Michaels party together. And we didn't know that Norm was going to be there. So we step in. And the first thing we see is Norm standing there. And then Norm sees me and Eric. And it's the first time Norm has seen Eric since he did Eric's joke. And you just see Norm look around like, how do I get out of this room? No way. And Eric Eric was a sweetheart of a guy and very tall man. He was about 6'5". Norm was a pretty tall guy. And I've never seen a tall man like Norm MacDonald suddenly shrink to try to be so small (laughs) and conversely never saw Eric taller in my life. And Eric just very calmly went over and spoke to him and just basically in a very gentlemanly way said, you know, that wasn't cool what you did. Oh, wow. He really actually confronted him after all that time. And the way he confronted him was so bloody classy and it just sort of gave me chills to watch it. It was just, it was really gentlemanly and he just, he let Norm know 
you know you broke the cardinal rule of comedy. So actually, you guys were thankful that Norm was there to put it behind you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Other than Eric and your manager, at Lauren Michaels, you would have been kind of with strangers, right? Did you ever have that sort of feeling that, okay, maybe it's time I have something more than just this? Because a couple of days ago, you just woke up and you told me that you were thinking of all the mistakes you made in your life. <laughs> yes. And I was, I think I was in there a few times, but so <laughs> did that, did that make you think about what you wanted? Did you want a family and settling down? Yeah, that was definitely the start of that. I mean, number one, because when you go to New York and you're, you don't know anybody in New York, it is an incredibly lonely city. But I, I was just starting to get that that to that age where I was like, you know, I think I'd like to, you know, maybe like get married. And also because a lot of a lot of our friends at that time were starting to get married and having kids. And you see it and they just look so happy. And I was kind of like, Yeah, maybe I'd like to have that instead of just sleeping on a futon on the floor. But so when you were saying the other day, what were the mistakes that you thought you have made? Oh and, God. No, so, but what went through your mind? So many. So many mistakes. Yeah, I just, I woke up Saturday morning, I was just lying in bed, just thinking about my life. And uh, for some reason, I mean, I was happy, everything was fine. But I just started thinking about all the mistakes I made in my life. I don't know why. And it just seemed like there was a lot of missteps, just things like, I don't know, even though New York was a great experience, there were so many things that maybe I should have done better or didn't do or have done. And I don't know. But there must have been something specific that was going through your mind. I can't really think it was, uh, no, there was nothing really specific. It was just kind of things like, you know, (laughs) dumb things. Like I was like, why did I take that part-time job in New York at that that furniture store? Like that was a real kind of waste of time. More than 25 years ago. No, it was just dumb, weird thing. I mean, thankfully I haven't made huge mistakes as far as I'm concerned in my life. But yeah, just little things just make you think, eh. Maybe I wasted time doing that or not doing this. Or. Do you count those as moments of regret? Not regret. Not regret. Because I, I I know it sounds cliched. We talk about this all the time. All the things that you do in your life lead to where you are now. And if you where you are now, if you're happy and you love your life, then boom, those things had to happen. And God, that sounds so cliche. So are you saying that I'm oh your God. final mistake and you're stuck with <laughs> no, me? No, I'm saying you're the thing that turned out well. Oh, that's good to know. Yes, all the roads and the zigzags have led to you, which is uh, a lovely thing to have in my life. Well, let's look at some of those zigzags, as you call them. So we are in our story, November 1995, and this is the closest we had ever been to getting back together in the five and a half years that we met. In the story, you're 30 and I'm 26. I think before I said 25, but there's only four years between us. And it's a really strange time for us because we're in Toronto and we're seeing each other a lot, like a couple times a week. But the closer we get, the less we speak. And it starts with this night. Do you remember, I mean, I don't know, because this is, what, 28 years ago, but it's one of those nights that stands out. You came over to Craighurst. I'd only been living there a couple months, and we sat, it was a really nice night. We sat on the sofa. I had bought really nice olives and cheese, and we had some red wine, and we just sat and kissed a lot and talked. Yes, I remember that, and I remember thinking, like... Uh, you do remember that night? <laughs> yes, I, was, I remember thinking, oh, we're like adults. We're yeah, having yeah, wine yeah. and cheese and talking and kissing a little bit. And oh, I was living in a normal place. We are. Yeah. yeah, and your the place you were living in was so nice. Uh, and also, I had a nice place at that time, and I just I remember thinking, like, wow, we're we're all grown up. Look at us. And then what did I do? Suddenly, in the middle of it, I was... <laughs> Wonderful, lovely night, and then all of a sudden, you're like, all right, go home. I was, it was literally that abrupt. Like, you were literally like, all right, go home. 
In my head, I was just, what did I do? Did I do something? How did I? Because I, I, I thought I screwed it up. I was like, how did I screw this up? But it's because it would it, always be equal. Like sometimes you yeah. screwed it up, sometimes I. And at that time, I thought, oh, I, I screwed up. I, I don't know what I did. Yeah, I had been going because I was working in the music industry and I'd started doing some um, A&R stuff. Uh, I was out six nights a week and I wasn't sleeping a lot. And we were together. It was on the weekend and it was really great. But all of a sudden... And I have it in writing that I, you know, I was so tired. I almost felt like I was hallucinating and I just, I had to go to bed. And I know that you were annoyed because you thought I was playing a head game with you. And so we just sort of talked about it. And I, you know, clearly you saw I was just really tired. And so you left, everything was fine. And I had invited you over the following weekend for a sauna. Did you tell me that, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm tired. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, like okay. it's, I, I actually wrote the whole conversation down in uh, one of my journals okay. because- Because okay. then I would have been like, oh, okay, I get Yeah, it. but it was just, I know it was so kind of brutal the way I all of a sudden was like, you got to go. Yeah, because I don't remember you telling me why you're, I just remember the the like, what happened? <laughs> now I did tell, I did write it all down. Maybe in my head, I thought I told you, but I didn't. We had decided that we were going to meet the following weekend and that night was really great. Like we were really close. So I called you for the following weekend. You didn't call me back. You didn't call me back. And then Tuesday morning you called and you said that you were doing a reading for some comedy troupe down at the Oasis. So you said, come down, we'll hang out. I was like, okay. So we go down and, you know, again, this is like just when we have phones and what are they called? Answer machines, right? So it's not like you know where somebody is all the time and waiting for them to call you back was like just for me torturous. So when you said, come on Tuesday night, I was like, okay, I'll go Tuesday night. We go to the show. You did your opening. It was really fun. It was mostly you talking, actually. I noted that you were talking a lot about what you were doing. We went back to your place in a cab. Again, it was just basically you talking. When we were at your place, we were completely quiet, which was really unusual for us. So I was like, I got to go home. And so I think we were going down to Bloor Street. You were walking me down. I was going to get the, the, uh, what do you call that, subway. And as we're walking, you say to me two things. You say, how come is it how come Nancy never talked to me about anything personal? And I wrote down that I replied that, you know, we don't know each other that well. <laughs> okay. And the other thing you said to me just before I, I left was this night for me was like a 20 out of 10, Nancy. I had so much fun being together. It was great going out and I just love spending time with you. And then we just looked at each other and we both said see ya. And then, you know, I I I left. And then I started to cry as soon as you were out of my vision. And I kept thinking, what's wrong? Were you, you know, were you just being silent because you wanted to pay me back because the weekend before I had said, go home? Like, I just felt so confused. But when I look at it now, when somebody says, I had a 20 out of 10 time with you tonight. That's a good score. Yeah, I would think, um, oh, okay. You did well on the test if you got 20 out of 10. But we couldn't actually talk about our feelings. And maybe that was just you know, we had so much history that it was just impossible. But again, when I look at my niece getting married in Australia this morning, and she they're just so together and so on the same page. And they, again, went, you know, over eight years, they couldn't see each other because of COVID. They were meeting up in different countries. And, you know, we just couldn't get it together at that time. So I go down to the subway and I'm crying and I'm wondering what is going on? How am I going to get, like, are we going to get together or not once and for all? And so I called a friend of mine and it's funny because I was looking in the journal and I wrote the friend's name down and I was like, oh my gosh, he'd won four Junos and stuff. And I forgot we were even friends. And um, PJ's going to read the diary entry about how I try to figure out if PJ and I can finally get together. 
Okay, but before I read the diary entry, I just want to add, I distinctly remember that time period of us getting along really well. But it's so funny that you say, oh, you know, we weren't talking. I don't recall that. I just recall it being a really good time that we were getting along. And (laughs) like me being quiet when we were together could have been a lot of things. It could have been, you know, like, oh, I I was, you know, trying to figure out things with what I was doing with my career and thoughtful about that or just comfortable with us. So I didn't feel the need to sort of keep talking or whatever. I don't remember that sort of weirdness or coldness. I just remember it being, yeah, this is great. We're getting along. Well, probably I think at my age then, and especially being, being a female, I think that I wasn't quite comfortable with silence. I didn't, Mm. I I misinterpreted Mm. silence to mean that you don't like me. Because I was always just waiting for you to go, I love you. Like to me, that it, all the actions and the sort of subtext that you were giving me, you know, I don't know, am I, am I not bright? But I just needed you to say those words so that I could say them back. And then I'd know that everything was okay. Those silent things, I've really come to appreciate very much the silence, PJ, between us now. <laughs> and I've, I mean, silence with other people too. I can spend yeah. lots of time with my mom chit-chatting, but I love being with her. And that can mean sometimes we're just just quiet. And yeah. I think as I appreciate your silence, I think she appreciates my silence from time to time. Anyway, these coming and goings with us, we're just boomeranging off each other. And so finally, I, as I say, I called a friend for advice. How do I deal with PJ? And this is what I was told. All right, here we go. All right, so this is dated... November 18th, 1995, Nancy writes, I talked to my friend Juno, and in parentheses she says, not his real name, but he has won four Junos. Wow, that's impressive. For Junos, uh, for for anybody who doesn't know, that's the Canadian Grammys. So he's a celebrated musician in Canada. Uh, Okay, keep going with Nancy stuff. And uh, Nancy writes, and he told me that for my own sake, I should tell PJ I'm feeling feelings. (laughs) Yeah. Really eloquent. Feeling feelings. Juno Award winner, folks. Even if he rejects me, at least for the first time, it will be finalized. My first reaction was, never! That PJ would have to make the first move. Then the idea stuck with me because during the same time, I made dates with Ian and Paul. What? This is what what I'm saying. I'm all over the place. You're giving me wine and cheese and you're going out with Ian and Paul? Oh, man. And uh, sorry, I made dates with Ian Paul and was a really and was really interested in another guy, Dave. Jeez! But I want to just say Who this: else? I was the one that was instigating all these things. I had gone from you remember that guy that had been with a lot of women and was really not nice to me. Mm. I had sort of really hardened myself that I never waited for people to ask me out. I just kind of went up to a guy and I was like, "Let's go out." And so I was in this sort of phase where that's all I was doing because. I think it was easier to cope with what was going on with PJ and I um, by distracting myself and the band manager as well. All right. Okay. Whatever. Uh, Okay. So Nancy writes, I realized that I should uh, really figure out where things were with Mr. Heslin. Ooh, how formal. So that I can either be involved pretty much exclusively before I start showing interest in others. Yeah, that's a good thing to do. That's uh, pretty much dating 101. So I called PJ last Friday and he was just on his way out. I told him I'd like to get together in the next few days. He said he couldn't on Saturday, neither can I. And then he asked me what was wrong. I said, nothing. I just wanted to get together. Doesn't call. After Monday, it pretty much slipped my mind and I asked out Ian and we had a great time. Tuesday, I realized that PJ has made his feelings clear. He doesn't want to see me. Then he completely throws me off psycho and calls me on Wednesday. We had a fluff conversation on both sides and then he said, well, I have to go to rehearsal now. 
I don't know what I was rehearsing for. Uh, was I in Cats? Was that it? I said, uh, okay, pause. He said, well, I'm just returning your call. Pause. I didn't know what he meant. And then it was see ya from both sides. I was so confused. So I called Juno again. He put it in perspective perfectly and simply. Number one, PJ was aware that there was some other motive to my call as to why I wanted to see him and wasn't sure what I was going to do. Number two, he said, I'm returning your call as to open the floor. Give me the clue that I was supposed to open up. Number three, everyone is on a cycle. And during such, we have periods when we are more needy and they don't necessarily coincide with the cycle of the partner. I like number three. Actually, I think all three of those points are really... They're all very good, valid points. Except for a person that has my brain. (laughs) Okay, Nancy keeps going. She, uh, She writes, realizing all of this, I know that it's over. There will be no grand finale between PJ and I because neither of us will connect at the same time and to continue on this pattern with him will only be detrimental to myself. It'd be one thing if we occasionally met up and could be ourselves, but the silence crap will destroy me in the long run. So that's it. I have to consciously refrain from myself. This was the closest we've been to getting back on track, but no matter how I feel, I cannot call him. So that's PJ. What do you think about that, Peach? Wow. I, uh... (laughs) (laughs) It's... It cracks me up how much was going into your head and how much you were reading into things where I was just kind of like, hey, it's great seeing Nancy again. (laughs) Hey, Nance, what are you doing? You want to go out? (laughs) You're like, what does this mean? What does this phone call mean? Yeah, but the crazy thing is that's only 10 days that I've gone through. The night that we were at Craighurst having nice cheese, having nice olives and just kissing on the sofa. And that was such a great night. We were so in sync. And then 10 days later, I'm like, I'm never calling him again. And in my head, I'm just like, hey, this is awesome. We're going out again. Nice. But you know what, PJ? I am going to say one thing I'm thankful for in my life. I absolutely love being Mrs. Heslin. Ah, that's sweet. It means so much to me. I don't feel like I lose my independence or anything like that. But I love you so much, and it's, I feel so proud to be Mrs. Heslin, and I, I'm thankful and grateful that you are in my life. And I'm thankful and grateful that I don't have to go to a yoga class. Thanks for listening to Nancy and PJ Finally Get Together. Remember to share the link with friends and comment on social media if you like what you hear. This podcast is a spinoff of our manuscript, which is currently looking for a publisher. See nancyandpj.com for more details. A big thanks to Alyssa, Isaac, and Dustin at Lifestuff Media. In our next episode, as Nancy pulls away once and for all from PJ, she turns to food for comfort.